They'll move it up to the 38, first and 10 from the Fordham 38. Man in motion into the backfield. Fakes the toss to the man in motion. Here's a deep throw for Ajala at the 30. Makes the catch inside the 10 and inside the end zone. Touchdown, Fordham. Hebrick gives, running up the middle. Coons, nice hold of the 10 to the 5 to the near side and into the end zone for the score. Touchdown, Fordham. 20 yards for C.J. Coons. And the Rams on the board again, now leading 37-28 with 125 to go in the third. Second down and eight from the 41-yard line of Fordham. 20 seconds to go in the third, Fordham by 10, Lehigh. Gajkowski back to throw, left side, intercepted by LeVon Williams. He steps out of bounds at the 30. He cuts in front of Tyler Coyle and picks it off. Take that pass interference. Clock down to four. And this one is over. Fordham 52, Lehigh 34. The Rams unseat the 10th best team in the country. Their second win over a ranked team at Jack Coffee Field this year. And we welcome you to our week six edition of Monday Night Quarterback here on FordhamSports.com and WFUVSports.org. So glad you could join us. Nick Legerfo, Joe Moorhead to join me in just a moment. Andrew Briner will join us when we talk X's and O's. We'll have Sam Ajala had three touchdown catches against Lehigh, and also LeVon Williams, who finished with an interception and made a bunch of tackles, a lot of plays for Fordham in the secondary. And as I turn to Joe Moorhead, a 52-34 win over Lehigh, a top-10 team in the country. Now you're a top-10 team in the country. How's it feel, and how big is that win for your program on national TV? It feels great. It was um, another opportunity for our kids to make history this season. Uh, we did it with our first um, top-10 win at home against Villanova and followed up with Temple and now you know no, none of the players or coaches on our staff had ever beaten Lehigh so it was uh it was a special day for the program you know a tremendous overflow crowd on national tv and you know I was just I was just very happy for our kids and our coaches and you mentioned the crowd coach what, what was it like to play in front of that that crowd one of the bigger crowds we've seen here in recent memory here at, at Jack Coffee Field what was that like for you guys it was it really energized the kids i mean for the second week in a row at home we had a sellout and you know to just to see people in the baseball stands and standing only behind um lehigh's bench you know i have a little bit of, of a frame of reference you know having caught myself a few times during the game just looking up and kind of taking the atmosphere in because it was uh you know this is what we want our, our uh you know the, the saturday football experience to be at jack coffee field like that every week and um i think i think we can hopefully continue it'll be awesome now, Coach, you told me coming into this game, 7-1 and one at home over the last two seasons. You said that the fans were a big part of that. I talked uh, a, a little bit uh, with you before the game, and it was expecting a sellout. You got a sellout. What did it feel like to hear them on third downs, to hear them roar? It, it seemed like nothing I've, I've really seen at Jack Coffee Field. No, it, w- it was tremendous. I mean, and there were a couple times in the, at the end of the third quarter and going into the fourth where – it was third down for Lehigh, and you know we needed a stop. And I mean, it, it got to a point where I could barely, you know, hear hear the communication of the coaches over the uh, headsets. And I'm sure that Lehigh had a hard time hearing their signals. And that's you know the times when we got some key stops in the game. So the the crowd definitely played a, a big hand in our favor. Okay, coach. Let's talk. Let's turn to some of the guys that actually were in the game playing on the field. One of the guys for you, Sam Ajala, had a monster day, three touchdowns. What was he doing that was so effective against this Lehigh defense? No, Sam just he did a, a great job, you know, running routes and 
you know, getting open. I mean, really, that's he did great. You utilized great fundamentals and technique, and you know, from that X receiver position, there's an opportunity to make a lot of plays based on the scheme that you know he's singled up over there. And you know, defenses have two choices: they can roll the coverage to the to the wide side of the field and leave him single covered, or they can, you know, double him up and, and leave the field side open. Uh, you know, as a as an opportunity for those guys to make plays. And it just so happened this game it was uh, Sam's turn to make some plays, and he stepped up. Now, Coach, let's take a look at one of those plays where he did step up. And this, this is a play where he gets open. Last play of the first half offensively for you guys, 20 seconds left. Let's take a look here. And really, was it the coverage that dictated this call? Did you call this play in a 40-yard touchdown throw? Yeah, when we were in these three-by-one alignments here, you could see that they were rolling the coverage to the three-receiver three side. And that was leaving Sam single covered with a boundary corner. And we ran a double move. He ran a comeback and go. And... You know, was fortunate enough to get behind the guy, and, and Michael threw it out where only he could get it. And you know, that was a huge momentum swing in the game, as opposed to going up only three. We went up ten, and you know, it, it proved to be uh, you know, a very vital part of the game. And coming into this game, Lehigh was a team known for their comebacks. In their previous four games, they had come back, three of which were double-digit double digit comebacks. How big was it for you guys to go ahead by ten points heading into halftime? It was very big, just from a confidence and momentum standpoint. And, um, you know, that was one of the things we talked about at halftime that, you know, they, they're a team known for their comebacks this year and they've done it on numerous occasions. And, you know, there was 30 minutes left and we had to go out and play better than we did in the first half because they weren't going to give the game, for, game to us. We were going to have to take it from them. And, uh, you know, I thought our kids came out and battled hard in the, in, the, in the third quarter and, you know, just really, you know, had two key plays, one on special teams and one on defense that allowed us to capitalize on some opportunities offensively. So it was, a, you know, once again, another good, complete team effort. Now, Coach, before we get into the second half, an injury in the second half that was uh, very scary for really everybody in attendance, Ian Williams uh, involved in a collision. He came back in on the extra point a couple plays later. Uh, Mac Rosenberg was on the sideline, told us he had passed a few tests and that he was good to go. Take me through that experience as a coach. When, when you hear everything, you could hear a pin drop in the stands. Uh, and what's Ian's status now? now? It's never a great feeling when you see a collision of that you know, magnitude and you know, you have a guy drop to the ground and it looks like he's motionless there for a little bit. So obviously you're very concerned um, and, and you're hoping for the best, but concerned about the worst. And when we got out there and they flipped him over and, you know, he was moving his extremities and popped up and on the, on the ground, he just kept saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he, he had cut his lip a little bit and, you know, got his bell rung, but we took him over to the sidelines and went through the protocols necessary to get him back in the game. But yeah, it was certainly a very, very scary moment. And now switching to an interesting personnel move that we saw, during this game against Lehigh. Jared Creighton was a guy that was mixed in with Carlton Kuntz. Is this two-back system something that we can look forward to in the future? I think it's something that if Jared continues to practice well during the week and prepare well and earn some carries in the game like he did this week, uh, you know, we'll continue to do that. There's, uh, you know, C.J. shouldered a very heavy load last year. He had 300 carries for over uh, close to 1,600 yards, and, you know, he's – He's, we're a better football team and run the ball more successfully when he's fresh. So if we can keep him in the you know, 20 to 25 carry a game and you know, get Jared his carries along with Michael's called runs, I think it, it allows us to be more, um, more effective running the football when, when, when he's fresher in, at the later part of the game. And you saw that in the fourth quarter that I think we were able to uh, run the ball more successfully because both of those guys were, had good legs. 
And Coach, you certainly had a game changer in the running game in Jared Creighton, but a game changer in special teams who maybe has had a great season, flown under the radar, replacing a bit of a legend. Joe Pavlik has been very good. He kicks this long spiraling punt. Let's take a look at this. A long punt. Adam Malkowitz ends up coming on this ball, uh, uh, jumping on it at the 15. How big is this play in the, in the context of the game? This was a play that changed the momentum of the game. It's th- 31-28 at this point. And, you know, they have an opportunity to get the ball to drive down there and score and, and uh, you know, possibly tie or take the lead. And for us to get the ball right there and we punch it in on the next play, it was a huge momentum swing and, you know, I think was the, you know, turning point of the game. And, um, you know, one of our goals special teams-wise every week is to score or set up a score. And we've done that the past two weeks. And, um, you know, it's the hidden yardage battle and it's a third of the game. And uh, Coach Husky's done a tremendous job with all those units and the kids have really bought into the fact that, you know, special times, special teams is not a time that you take a blow or, you know, you rest up. And it, it, it's a time that's just as important as offense or defense. And you mentioned the fact that you guys actually scored on the very next play. That's a Carlton Clutes uh, 20-yard run. Actually came after a delay of game penalty. So let's just uh, – we have that play, actually. Let's take a look at it, and you can talk us through what's going on here. Yeah, there was a little miscommunication prior to the – we were trying to get the play change and couldn't get it. And uh, we came out, and we were in a three-by-one formation, just ran an inside zone to the split side. And as they had done the entire day, our offensive line did a great job getting the push. And uh, Carlton did a good job reading, reading the blocks and finding the hole. And, uh, you know, he kind of just does what he does. He, you know, he was able to squirt through there and get in the end zone. Coach, delay of game, really? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And it was that – you mentioned it off air here, but 25-second play clock after that play instead of 40. How much does that affect it? But did that kind of maybe deflate anything there? Or were you guys still raring to go? No, you. I mean, obviously, you're, you're not real fired up about a first and 15 coming off a turnover like that. But, you know, we had a call, play called on the sideline, went out there, and we didn't like the look. And, uh, you know, we were trying to get it changed. And I, I just did a poor job communicating to the to the guys who were signaling the plays, and we couldn't get in quick enough. And, you know, I didn't see the clock. Probably should have burned a time out there. But, it, you know, ended up working out for the best. And then as you, as you move through this game, uh, Lehigh ends up making it come back somewhat. Uh, you have two PI penalties against Levon Williams, and then he ends up coming back later in the, in the next drive getting an interception. And Mike Watts was not a big fan of those PIs, as, we, as those her, listeners heard on the radio. But how big of a, a play was that to get that interception for Levon? It really gave us an opportunity to, to kind of you know, seal the win. I mean, we... Uh, you know, that, that turned the, the turnover on special teams, we turned into points, and then, you know, they have a chance to come back and put it within a score on, on that drive, and we get an interception and turn that into points as well. So I think that's been kind of, uh, you know, microcosm of what we've done throughout the season. We're, on, so, so we're very high on the plus side of the turnover margin. We're the top team in the league and one of the top teams in the country, and our defense has done a great job creating turnovers or takeaways, as we call them, defensively, and the offense has done a great job capitalizing when we've gotten field position. So... You know, that was, you know, just as important, if not, if not more, than the, than the fumble punt. Well, and you mentioned top of the league statistically, but let's talk a little bit about that further here. This is a team two years ago that didn't win a single Patriot League game. Last year, improvement, very significant improvement. But this year, to knock off Lehigh in the first game, what does that say about what Fordham is, is trying to say to the Patriot League? No, I think it's, you know, it's, it's excellent in the historical context because I believe we were 23-2 and two was our record, you know, all time against, against Lehigh. And, you know, the, quite frankly, they, they're kind of the, you know, they're, they're the model of consistency in our league. I mean, they had been ranked in the top 25, I believe, 37 straight weeks. And, 
you know, have won the league a bunch of times and have really dominated the league over the past decade or so. So for us to be able to come in and beat a team of that caliber at home and you know, get to 1-0 in the league and 6-0 and overall, I think it was a giant step forward for the, for the program. Absolutely. Well, Coach, we'll talk to you about the next step for this program against Georgetown next week. But now it's time to talk X's and O's with Fordham assistant coach, quarterbacks coach Andrew Briner. Coach, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated. And for you, it's got to be a pretty good season. you got an All-American uh, candidate at quarterback right now. What has Michael done so well leading up to this nearly 400-yard performance? Michael has done a, uh, a great job this season of, of taking on the responsibility of being a starting quarterback. You know, he, he had a wonderful high school career, but really for the last two years of his, of his college experience, he's either been a backup or he's been splitting time. And the mental part of playing the quarterback position and being the starting quarterback, the grind that you have to go through every single week, essentially reprogramming your mind to, to look at a whole new defense and, and forget about really what you, what you learned last week and have to, to re relearn everything all over again on a week-to-week basis. He's done a great job of that. And then the, the biggest thing, the biggest factor is he hasn't turned the ball over. Um, turnovers lose are the quickest way to lose a football game. And, and so far this year, Michael's done a good job of taking care of the football. And, of course, Michael had a huge game against Lehigh this week, a big win for the Fordham program. What was he able to do this week that made him so successful? Throw the ball downfield uh, with accuracy, uh, with the right touch, to, to read the defense, first of all, uh, and then and complete the, the, the long pass plays. The explosive plays are, are probably the second biggest factor when you look at what determines winning and losing football games. Turnovers would be one. Explosive plays would be two. Well, and I spoke with Mike before the season. He talked about coming off knee surgery and kind of relearning mechanics and relearning where you can cut and, and how it feels to go through all that. In terms of relearning mechanics, how much did you work with him as the season began in terms of making sure his footwork and all the little things were right? We spent a lot of time on the footwork part of it. Uh, one, one of my beliefs as a quarterback coach is, is teaching these guys how to move in the pocket when pressure is coming. Uh, someone did a study last year uh, in the NFL, and less than 50% of the throws that are made are made on just a normal three-step drop. Back foot hits the ground and the ball goes out. You have to make some type of evasive uh, maneuver, you know, over half the time. So we worked, we spent a lot of time on that. And with Mike mechanically, it was just really getting his weight uh, distributed pop properly, getting it back on his back foot so he could really drive into his throws. Well, you talk about moving around in the pocket. Michael Niebrick, definitely a guy who can do a lot of that. And we definitely, and we have a, uh, a one yard touchdown run that he scored against Lehigh. Why don't you uh, take us through that play as we, we're going to get it up for you? Sure. This is a, uh, a zone read play, so he's reading the, uh, the end man on the line of scrimmage, and, and this is what Michael does, uh, you know, makes him different, is he can have a little bit of gray area. Um, he can, has the license to pull a ball when he knows that, that he sees that shoulder turn just enough uh, that he's going to be able to beat that guy to the pylon. I'd like him to not stick the football out and make it, uh, <laughs> make it a show, but that's a little bit what uh, Mike's personality Absolutely, and we've seen Mike really roll out to the side a lot, but maybe one thing that distinguishes him from a lot of running quarterbacks is, is oftentimes he keeps his eyes downfield. He's looking to make a deep throw. He, oftentimes you'll see him wave guys downfield. Is that something you've worked with him on? Is it something he came in with? It's something we do work on. We work on it as an offensive unit. Uh, we spent you know, multiple practices, in, especially in camp, working what we call the, scram- the scramble drill. So when the pocket breaks down, our guys know there's, they have set rules that when they see Michael leave the pocket, that you know, they're either going to run deep, they're going to run short, they're going to mirror him across the field. Uh, so that, it, it looks like it's you know, some exciting you know, 
spur of the moment type play, but all those receivers and Michael has rules on how to operate when he does leave the pocket. And one of those great plays that he he also had right before halftime, a great throw down the field. We called it the Dilford dime of the game, and uh, it was to, to Bucky Jones. We'll get that play up, and you can t- take us through that one as well. Sure. This is a play um, designed to really attack man coverage, uh, which is what we got. Uh, we, it's a little bit of a double move outside to, to Bucky. Uh, Michael did a great job of, of seeing the look, uh, anticipating look, which is another thing. Uh, that he's really improved on this year, and, and he's getting better each week, is anticipating what's going to happen, throwing the football to a spot. And as, as you guys and all the Fordham fans out there have seen this year, we have multiple uh, playmakers out on the edge. And Tabucky's one of those guys, Sam's one of those guys, and, and that's what Michael was able to do on that play and, and on a lot of plays on Saturday, was anticipate, throw to a spot, and let his playmakers make plays. Absolutely, and for him to hang in the pocket that way, he got drilled on that play. He got hit a lot, really, if you think back to Saturday and still delivered uh, very consistent, accurate balls. How hard is that for a quarterback to do? Is that all guts? It takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of guts, Um, and, you know, some of it you see, and I think there's times you know it's coming, but a quarterback is processing so much information uh, on every single snap. Uh, I don't think the average fan really understands what the checklist he has to go through pre-snap and then what happens post-snap that he has to recognize. So a lot of times I'll ask Michael, I said, did you know that was coming? He said, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the, a good quarterback isn't going isn't gonna to think about it. It's part of the job description. It's going to happen. Uh, there, you know, we do what we can to get the, the protection slid in the right direction so that guys don't come free. But sometimes defenses disguise where they're bringing pressure from it, and guys do come free. And if that's why you got to get it out on time and, and – it's part of, the, part of the job, and it's going to take a hit from now every now and then. <laughs> well, you mentioned it. As a running quarterback, you are going to be taking more hits than a standard drop-back pass quarterback. How much of that is a concern of, for you guys to protect his body? It is. Um, you know, with any quarterback, you know, that, that's kind of the evolution of this position. You see it both in the, the college game and you see it in the NFL, is that we're using athletes at quarterbacks. And, and when you do that, you're taking – arguably the most important position in all of sports, and you're exposing him to more hits than a, a pocket passer would take. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's what Michael does. That's what a Colin Kaepernick does. That's what those type of quarterbacks, that's what they excel at. So you're not going to not run him um, because you're worried about the hits. They're, they're going to happen. Uh, we talk about learning how to, to, to take on hits and not take the brunt of the load. You know, I don't think you see Michael, when he's running the ball, take a lot of big head-on hits. He knows how to kind of change his body angle right at the last second to kind of get a glancing blow rather than that, that head-on blow. Absolutely. Now, in terms of what you do week to week, last year Ryan Higgins was the starting quarterback, a much different thrower, a guy who stays in the pocket, doesn't run that much, but was effective when he did decide to leave the pocket. Peter Matzold is the backup he was fighting for the starting job throughout training camp a little bit, and he's a different animal as well in terms of how he plays the quarterback position. Do you do different drills for these different quarterbacks through practice to try and, and work towards their strengths, or is it more of a uh, everybody work on the same thing throughout practice and, and kind of work it that way? I think with what we do offensively, some of the drills that we work um, are probably different than if you were an under center five-step, seven-step drop team. So I think you know, offensively, what we do dictates, you know, some different drills as far as the, the run game goes. Uh, but, no, I do the same drills. I did the same drills with Ryan. I did the same drills with Pete. I do the same drills with Michael. I, it's really based on what our offense is, uh, not necessarily the individual. 
And, and you talked about some of the playmakers that Michael has to throw to. How much is a luxury is it for him to have those guys to throw to? It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And, and we were you know, blessed last year that, that Brian Wetzel kind of exploded on the scene and came out of nowhere and had, I think, I believe, over 70 catches. When you look at the statistics this year, we have three receivers, a tight end, and a back. We have to get the ball to all of them. And, and when you look at the numbers, how they're playing out right now, it's very even to – evenly distributed amongst the receivers and then both Danny and 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 CJ they're both at I believe 21 catches so it's huge to be able to have you know that many playmakers uh on the field and we're we're spreading it around equally and guys are making plays so it's that's the difference in the 2013 offense than the 2012 offense yeah absolutely and he's worked with different wide receivers now you look at the guys who left Greg Wilson and Nick Talbert and you bring in some new guys in those positions to Bucky Jones playing more Marcus Jones in the slot we've seen a little bit this year and Sam Ajala of course exploding onto the scene this year a very good season is it hard for him to work with with different players and and for guys like Peter Matzel to, to get reps and for everybody to kind of get used to these different receivers? I think for Pete, it would probably, it's probably a little bit more of a challenge because he doesn't get a lot of reps mm-hmm. week to, you know, during the week with those guys. But Michael takes every single rep of practice with, with those three receivers, that tight end, that running back on the field. So when you're talking about how many reps we've taken since August 4th, he's had a lot of time to develop. And if there's something a little bit different that week, a new route, uh, or, or we're throwing something on a different footwork, he'll get together with the receivers. They'll stay after practice if we didn't get a chance to really hammer it out during practice uh, and, and they'll work on a, a specific thing but I think he's got he has a very good feel uh, for all all three of his receivers and his tight end on how they run their routes and where they like the ball thrown on their body and, and he's done a really good job of, of, of getting the ball to them and those guys have done just a tremendous job making plays all right coach moving ahead to this week you got another big game on the road a Patriot League opponent in Georgetown what does Michael need to do this week to be successful Michael needs to continue to do what he's, uh, what he's been doing. He does a great job pre- uh, preparing uh, all during the week to really understand the looks that he's going to get and how those differ from the downs and distances. Um, he's going to digest the game plan, which he has done extremely well. As far as talented as Michael is, I think what the average fan out there might not know about Michael, Michael's an extremely bright, intelligent young man, and he really understands how to, to think the game of football. Um, so he needs to continue to, to digest the game plan, understand the looks that he's going to get, and then when he comes to Saturday, go out there and, and execute. And I know I said it once already, but continue to take care of the football. That, that's a huge factor. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not hard to see why he's Patriot League Offensive Player of the Week. Now, one last question here for you. Take me through your responsibilities in a game week. So maybe what you're going to be doing during this week heading up to Georgetown that's specific to you. And then on game day, what's your role in the booth with the coaching staff? Sure. Uh, during the week, I, I help uh, Coach Moorhead and the rest of the offensive staff uh, game plan. Uh, Monday is our big game plan day. We kind of lock ourselves in the room for about 12 hours and, and hammer out the game plan. Uh, I have responsibilities uh, as far as scripting the plays for practice, uh, deciding what plays we're going to run versus what looks on, on a daily basis. Uh, obviously, I run the quarterback meetings. And, and once it gets to game day, I'm up in the booth. Um, Coach Moorhead and I have been on the on the same staff for five years now so he and I have a very uh very high comfort level working with each other on game day as far as me communicating to him what I'm seeing from the booth and him using that information to to make decisions with the play calling and then as we get together as an offensive staff uh, between every series on the headsets and, and review the previous series uh, and, and talk about what adjustments we might need to make and what plays that, you know, are on the call sheet that, hey, let's get this, these two plays called this series just to get them out there.
All right, well, Coach, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. All right, well, that'll do it for this segment. Time to go meet a couple of Fordham players uh, this week inside the huddle. We have LeVon Williams, a defensive back, and wide receiver Sam Ajala, both having big games against Lehigh last week. And, LeVon, we start with you. You've been on CBS Sports before, so this wasn't maybe too surprising. You've uh, played a game in high school, at least, on national TV. What was it like having this big game atmosphere in this game? It was a great environment for the team. We all fed off of it. Everyone just connected with the unit and just we all rode as, rode as a team together. The energy was great, so we fed off of it. And, and in terms of the crowd, it seemed like really every third down they were getting into it. Did that help you as a defense? Oh, yes. That, that was tremendous for us. It gave us a confidence booster. You know, we have fans out here wanting to crowd for us, wanting to chant for us. So that was big. it was helpful for us a lot, in a lot of ways. Yeah, now, of course, you get the help on third down, but you tend to make the people cheer three touchdowns. That kind of performance, is, is that the best performance of your career? And, and where does it stand against a game like Temple? Um, well, I'm all about the win, so uh, they rank even as long as we got the W. Three touchdowns, the game winner touchdown. I mean, it really doesn't mean to – it doesn't matter, but felt good to go out there and get the team three. Me and Niebuhr were just, I mean, connecting, so – not the major. Now, in terms of that game, was it something that they gave you specifically where maybe you came into the game thinking that you'd have an opportunity to catch a bunch of passes, or was it as the game went along, that's just the way things went? I mean, we practice it all week. We see the same looks. I mean, our defense gives us a real good look So, on what's going to happen on game day. So we knew that their safeties didn't, they didn't want to drop, so we just ran by them over and over and over. <laughs> Over. Yeah, well, and it seemed like uh, the safeties maybe didn't drop for their defense, but they did for the Fordham defense. And let's take a look at an interception that you had in this game. It was around the 30-yard line. It was a game-changer in that it really uh, gave that defense the, the big stop they need to get the offense a little more breathing room. Let's take a look at that play, LeVon. And in terms of what are you seeing, what's the coverage, and, and what maybe did you see during the week that maybe helped you get ready for this? Well, uh, we are in too deep coverage right here. And so uh, our defense coordinator did a Coach Blackwell did a great job with us, making sure we had great eye discipline because, you know, they have the top leading receiver, Lee Kerfis. Uh, so he just wanted us to get deep in our coverages and keep an eye on him. And I seen that the tight end was there, also a good target for them as well. So as the play was developing right here, I see the quarterback, quarterback rolling out. He throws the ball, and I jumps on top of it and intercept the ball. So... It was just a great job on me and reading the quarterback eyes. Now, you used to be a wide receiver in Juco ball and even back in high school. So, for you, picking off three passes in a year, that's, that's really nothing new for you, right? Yeah, it's basically I'm playing wide receiver on the defensive <laughs> side. <laughs> and, of course, a big hitter as well. You've made a couple of big hits throughout the season. When you were a wide receiver, were you nearly as physical as you are now? Oh, yeah, definitely, most definitely. Uh, when I play a wide receiver, I just try to be as physical as I can and trying to translate it to defense now and just overall physical on both sides. So, Absolutely. And, and let's turn back to Sam here because you had a couple of big plays in this game. A 40-yard touchdown going into halftime. We're going to take a look at a couple other plays, though. A 25-yard score. Uh, to really get the scoring going, what did you see on this route? It seemed like, as you said, you were blowing by the safeties yeah. again and again and again. Um, well, that one was pretty much one-on-one. -on -one. I think they were just like in a, a cover three. We just ran the post corner, made the corner bite on it, and Ebrick threw a perfect ball in the back of the end zone. Got the two feet down and touchdown for them. Absolutely, and that's not the only touchdown he scored. You get one right before the half, 
And then one that really uh, separated things, a 62-yarder. It was a, an impressive play. What's the play call? You, you have the motion coming from Jorge Solano into the backfield, the fake toss. And then for you, it seemed like you were open from 15 yards downfield all the way to the end zone. I mean, like I said, the safeties, they, uh, they were just – they weren't deep enough, and they kept biting on run fakes. And I just seized the opportunity. I stemmed in my route, and – I just ran by the corner and the safety corner. was I mean, the safety was just caught looking, and Nevik threw another perfect ball and just kept me in stride. So to have two, two and I guess three, having Jorge Solano coming in motion, three guys that could potentially carry the ball and, and really come up with a back-breaking run on the ground, and then to have you going deep, how much does it help to have a running game that's been so efficient, so effective this year? I mean, that's the, that's the good thing about our team. We're so well-balanced. I mean, you can't, you can't do anything. You can't put too many people in the box. You can't. You can't drop everybody in coverage. You have to account for everybody. So, I mean, it's just special to be on the team because we're, we're, we're well-rounded like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And both of you guys have interesting, uh, really, backstories to come to Rose Hill. For you, LaVon, it was coming through the JUCO uh, route, and you, you were a highly recruited player out of high school uh, in, in terms of JUCO. Come here. Who was looking at you, and, and what made you decide Fordham was the way to go? Well, Coach Carey was looking at me uh, – uh, a friend from UConn came out to my practice. He knew Coach Carey, so he, he gave Coach Carey the word on me, and he followed up with it. Uh, and Fordham is just a great opportunity for me. It's a great academic school. I wanted to challenge myself, honestly, because growing up, I never had my, I never challenged myself academically. And uh, I'm from Brooklyn. It's close to home. So it was just a great opportunity to just be close to home, play in front of my family, and just and just get a great education overall. That was the main keys, to be honest. I didn't want to go to a school that was better for football and not and not strenuous with academics, so I just came to Fordham because it's the best of both worlds. Now, you come in as a defensive back. Was there any thought about playing corner or even going back to wide receiver when you first made the decision to come to Fordham? Oh, they won't let me go to corner. I tried that already. I tried. I played a little corner at JUCO. Uh, they won't let me do that, but safety is fine. I love it, so I'm comfortable making plays. Could you cover that guy? Yeah, I could cover him. He got some speed, though. I, I got, he got some speed, but I could cover him, I think. Okay, well, and, and now we go to you, I guess, because you told me beforehand a, a little bit of corner in high school, now you're playing wide receiver. If you were playing receiver, you'd be able to cover him easily, though, right? They called me Ajala Island in high school. Right? That's all I'm going to say. Ajala Island. And, and do you think – so you could probably maybe stop uh, LaVon here, but the rest of the team, anyone else? Brian? I don't lose. Oh. I don't lose. <laughs> so, Sam, in terms of your route here, DeSoto in Texas, and you come all the way to New York, in terms of deciding on Fordham, was there really any other choice that, that made sense for you? I mean, well, the staff that was here before that recruited me, they came in during spring ball of my junior year and told me that um, I probably would have more offers, like bigger offers, and that didn't work out, and they told me they have an offer for me if if nothing worked out, so... Nothing worked out. I got I gave them a call the day before signing day. They gave me one, committed, and I came to Fordham. And the rest is history. Certainly a couple of historic wins for you guys. And certainly looking forward in terms of playing the rest of your schedule, there's no letting up. The Patriot League continues this week against Georgetown. What have you seen from them? Have you seen any film on them yet? And really, you've played them before. So what do you maybe remember from last year? I just remember them in trick formations, uh, and then coming down to the last play on the goal line, that's all I remember. I haven't really broke down a film yet. Probably do it tonight. Uh, all I remember is last year coming down to that last play, and it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I just want to get after these guys.
Yeah, absolutely. And now it's time to take a look ahead for Fordham's upcoming game. Week 7 against the Georgetown Hoyas, another Patriot League matchup here. And as we turn to Coach Joel Moorhead here, Coach, you've known Georgetown quite a bit. You spent some time there. Talk about those times for you, at least for a moment, and, and what it means to go back and play there uh, as the head coach now for Fordham. I have great memories of Georgetown. You know, Coach Benson was our head coach there, and uh, Rob Scarlato, who's the defensive coordinator, uh, now was, was an assistant coach there as well. And, you know, obviously a tremendous academic institution, beautiful campus, great city. Um, you know, Coach Kelly does a great job down there, so I'm sure there'll still be some people, you know, working at the university that, that I know, and it'll be great to see them again. And but at the end of the day, it's a business trip, and you know we got we got to go down there and handle business. And now, coach, you're coming off a huge win against Lehigh. You're facing a Georgetown team that that's coming off a loss against Princeton. How do you avoid a letdown in this week? Well, the first thing we talk to the kids about is is the game last year, which came down to a goal line stand. I believe with a little over two minutes left, that would that would have tied the game or given them an opportunity to take the lead had they gone for two. And, um, you know, they outrushed us last year. They had more explosive plays. They converted third downs better. And, you know, they've obviously lost some key components from that team. But the nucleus is the same. So uh, just like every other week, we got to have a do a great job in our preparation, go down there, play as hard as we can, and execute our scheme better than those guys. And, you know, that'll, that'll tell, tell the tale. So, you know, we can't worry about, you know, who we're playing or what their record is or anything like that. We've got to control what's under our control, and that's how well we prepare and play on Saturday. Well, it seems like Georgetown every year has a defensive player of the year candidate. This year it's Dustin Wharton, the maybe a bit undersized linebacker who certainly plays much bigger than his size would make you think. Coach, in terms of a linebacker like that who plays sideline to sideline, how do you slow a guy like that down? No, he's, he's really a wrecking ball out there, and he uh, you know, plays the outside linebacker position, so they have him out there in coverage, and he can run with the receivers. Uh, he's very aggressive to the run and, and, you know, is able to track guys down and, or take on blocks. And then, you know, they blitz him sometimes, and it, it's not a great matchup to be, uh, you know, put in a, not a great position for our running backs. And you see that he's been able to, in a, when he's been healthy and he's played, he's been able to really affect the game. So he, he's a guy that's a game wrecker, and, you know, we can't allow him to wreck the game. So we definitely have to be aware of him at all times. All right, switching to the defensive side of the ball, what are the biggest challenges you guys see for this week against Georgetown? You know, Isaiah Kemp at the quarterback is a guy who missed a bunch of time last year with an injury, but he's come back with a vengeance. Uh, skilled thrower, very mobile, can beat with his arms or his legs. So he's a guy that we've got to, you know, definitely key on and be ready for. They have a couple running backs that get in there and, you know, run the ball very well behind a very big and physical offensive line. Uh, very uh, agile tight end, good size with him, a couple of good receivers, and you know, Coach Marino is the offense coordinator. He does a good job mixing up. They run a no huddle. They try to run a lot of plays at you with different looks. So uh, we're going to have to definitely be on it defensively as well. Luckily, the defense is ready for the no huddle, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah they've got a snap or two to look at that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and let's take a look now. We're now six weeks into this season. Fordham is 6-0. and What's the difference maybe halfway through this season between this year and where you were at maybe halfway through the season last year? Um. You know, you know, last year, I mean, a lot of the credit of what we've accomplished this year has to go to last year's team. I think really they laid the foundation of, of what we wanted this program to be and where we wanted to go. And, you know, we um, lost three league games by eight combined points. And, you know, they set the bar for this year's team. And that's, that's whole, the whole 212 thing that we talk about is margin of error and, and extra effort. And I think, you know, this year's team really – took that to heart and in the off season and spring ball and, and summer workouts and fall camp really made a concerted effort that they didn't want to be 
they didn't want to fall short this season. And, you know, last year's team did an unbelievable job, and they believed they can compete, and, and we did in a lot of our games and won our fair share. And I think this year's team believes they can win. And uh, a lot of credit that goes to last year's teams for, for setting the bar for, you know, the upcoming season. And uh, you, as you wake up today, you find that Fordham is ranked number nine in the coaches' poll for FCS top ten in the nation. How does that feel as the coach of this program? It's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, you know, it's just you know you don't want to you don't want to you know, think about it too much or, or dwell on it too much. It's, it's a tremendous accomplishment for our coaches and our players and, and the school. And you know, to have a top rent, top top ten ranked team, it's it's very exciting. But uh, just as quickly as you get there, you can fall out of it. So we, we, we don't want to dwell on it. We don't want to read our press clippings or, or worry too much about it and accept handling business to make sure we stay there. So it's very exciting. We, we want to be a perennial top 10 team and competes for a national championship. And, you know, we just need to continue to do what we're, do, we're doing one week at a time. Absolutely. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time and, and good luck this week. Thank you very much. All right, well, that should do it for this edition of Monday Night Quarterback here on FordhamSports.com. For Nick Legerfo, my co-host, for all of our guests this week, Joe Moorhead, Fordham's head coach, assistant coach Andrew Briner, and wide receiver Sam Ajala and defensive back LeVon Williams. I'm Mike Watts for our entire FordhamSports.com and WFUV crew. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.